Oi, oi, and welcome to the Orient Outlook podcast, sponsored by AJF Plastering, with myself, Steve Nussbaum, and as always, I'm joined by my good friend, South Dan Chum, the bearded legend, the one and only daddy-o, it has to be Mr. Paul Levy. Thank you very much indeed, what a tremendous introduction, thank you very much. Hello everybody, and welcome back, this is episode number 234, thanks to everybody who tuned into last week's bumper show? There were plenty of talking points from the defeat to Bolton, lots of pent up frustration, and I think we asked uh, a few questions that haven't yet been answered uh, following two performances during the week. We're going to review those. That's Colchester uh, yesterday, as we record this on the Sunday, and obviously Crawley midweek. Uh, we've got the week that was, quite a bit happened, and we're also joined by a very, very special guest this week. So if you've seen on our social media, you'll know who this is, but if you haven't, That's coming up very shortly. So without further ado, let's crack on with a word from our sponsor. Yep, so the Orient Outlook podcast is proudly sponsored by AJF Plastering, an Essex-based plastering and rendering company, and they cover all aspects of domestic and commercial work, and they specialise in silicone colour, red desk systems, and you must know this by now, even our guest tonight must know this by now, they offer 15% off for all Leighton Orient fans and staff so if you are after any plastering work and the best rendering prices around you can visit AJF Plastering's website www.ajfplastering.co.uk or you can email the boys at ajfplastering.outlook.com or you can find them on Facebook or on Instagram at ajfplastering or you can find Adam on Twitter at BigAdsLOFC. Nicely done so moving on then few pieces of AOB and we start off first of all this week thanks to David Danu for his review of the Orient Outlook podcast on iTunes so a nice reminder there for anyone wherever you get your podcasts and you can leave a review and a, and a rating we'd very much appreciate a positive review and a five-star rating so that's wherever you get your uh, podcast from review us rate us we'd very much appreciate it Thank you, David. The check is in the post. <laughs> and second up, a massive congratulations from Orient Outlook Podcast Towers to XO Dean Cox and his wife Louisa, who are expecting a baby boy later this year. So there is going to be a tiny Cox on show. Absolutely delighted, <laughs> Dino, and congratulations on your ever expanding family. Absolutely. Good luck to you both, and hope uh, the pregnancy goes well. Uh, moving on from a new addition to the Orient family to unfortunately one that we lost, we were deeply saddened to learn that uh, we lost a, a very, very uh, precious member of the Orient family this week as Simon Fellman sadly passed away. Many of you will know and remember fondly Simon from the Supporters Club. He always stood in the entrance uh, as you came through so you couldn't help but see him um, and be on the end of one of his friendly smiles and warm welcomes so our condolences to his son Sheldon uh, the family and Simon's friends and obviously colleagues over at the supporters club um, rest in peace and we wish you and the family a very long life Sheldon yeah nicely said Mr Levy so a massive treat coming up now for all the outlookers out there we love this man to bits it's been far too long since he's been with us on the orient outlook podcast i'm delighted to introduce the late orient vice chairman principal investor it's the one and only mr kent d kent welcome back good evening gentlemen good evening good evening by saying it's been a while since we've spoken to you so just generally how are you mate how are you kent uh doing very well um you know, it's um, 
it seems almost like a nightmare uh, to believe that it's been 11 months since I was on the high road in Leighton. <laughs> and um, it, it is just strange is the only way I know to say it. It doesn't, uh, it doesn't make any sense. Let me say something about Simon, if you guys don't mind. Absolutely. Um, you know, Simon was a top man. Um, he, uh, he made a huge difference in the club. And, you know, he's the type of person that makes Leighton Orient such a great club. And I think that one of the things that I didn't know going into being involved at Leighton Orient is I had no idea how many gems there are uh, in Leighton Orient uh, like Simon. Um, and I always thought I'd have a really good relationship with the staff and the CEO and maybe some of the players, but I had no idea how many people would make such a big difference in my life uh, that are supporters of Leighton Orient. And Simon was one of those. Um, and, you know, it's just, he is just an example, an exemplary example of, uh, you know, the type of fan that we have at Leighton Orient. And, and, it, and it's what makes our club so great. Absolutely spot on. Thank you very much indeed for that. And obviously, Simon is one of, unfortunately, a few that we've lost recently. Do you want to send a message to anyone else as well, uh, Kent? Good opportunity. Well, yeah, yeah, I think, you know, there, there unfortunately, there have been quite a few over the last year. And, and my message is, is that, you know, they are missed uh, into their families and their friends. You know, our deepest condolences. There are a a number of people uh, that we've lost over the last year, uh, some of them very young and some of them maybe a little bit older, but they're all, they're all going to be missed. No doubt about it. Yeah. Yeah, they absolutely are. So when I introduced you, I said, it's been a while since you've been on the podcast and we know from talking to you previously, you tend not to look um, in kind of, games as a one-by-one -one basis you look at the season and kind of block basis so to start off with then let's get your thoughts on the season so far so we sit 10th in league two tonight as it stands so right. Ken, how are we doing this season in your eyes um so i i think we're doing okay uh i don't think we're doing terribly we are in 10th we're not in 20th uh we're not in a relegation battle uh, but we're not doing great. We're not. So we've got three different seasons, uh, the first season to compare to the second season, uh, you know, the National League uh, championship season and then, you know, last season. And I think we're doing better, you know, on two out of those three. But for me, the bar is not personal. So I know there's going to be questions about Ross and, Maybe there'll be some questions about Martin Ling and the team and that sort of thing. And I'm, I'm happy to answer those questions. For me, there is like a bar that's not personality based. It's metric. And the metric is one and a half uh, points per game. I think we're currently at 1.46. So I'm not happy about that. I wish it was a little bit better. That means where we lost one game, we should have won or, you know, where we drew a couple of games, we, we, we should have won. 
So that, so we're close. Uh, the second thing that I look at is I look at goal differential and our goal differential, we would be in ninth as opposed to eighth. And I look at goal differential because I think that also helps people explain away, you know, how we're doing as a team consistently. And what our goal differential tells me is that we are not as consistent as I had hoped we would be. Uh, we, we will have some really strong matches and then we'll have some matches where, uh, I question a lot of things. And so it's, so that's how I kind of think of the season. It hasn't been great. It's been good, but at times it has been frustrating. Um, Picking up on that, then the, the you know we, we played Crawley and Colchester during the week. What were your views on those games? Um, I haven't broken any monitors over those two games. <laughs> Good, um, but but I'm uh, what what I want. Uh, I think what I want is is what I think a lot of our fans want. I want to see heart. I want to de- I want to see desire. I want to see effort. I want to see, uh, you know, a group of people that show that they care uh, and that they are really, you know, fighting for the badge and fighting for the shirt. And and I think that our players, by and large, do the best that they possibly can the vast majority of the time. Um, But there are times when I wish that, you know, we were a little bit more consistent, maybe a little bit more energy, maybe a little bit quicker. Uh, kind of overall and I don't think there is a single person that I could talk about on our club uh, who has played who has not done really good things but also if pressed which I wouldn't be willing to do but if I was pressed I'd also be able to mention maybe a certain mistake that you know somebody made in a certain game and you know it doesn't mean that our players are never going to make mistakes but it's one of those things where sometimes it's easier to remember the mistake than it is, you know, the, the great plays that we make. In your last answer, you mentioned that sometimes you question things. What, sure. do, you, what do you question and who are you questioning? Well, I start with questioning myself. Um, how could I have more influence? How could I have a better relationship with Nigel or or Martin or Ross or Danny um, or with the board, you know, with Matt Porter. And, and, and so, you know, first of all, I wonder if I'm, I'm causing things. And then the second, second thing that I do is that I ask the questions that I'm wondering about of said group of people that I just mentioned, you know, there's a lot of things I don't necessarily understand about football. Uh, there are some things I think I understand about football, and I, I have a question. You know, I have a questioning mind, and I have a, a desire to answer, get answers to certain questions on, you know, why did this happen, or why did that go that way, or how do we prepare better for this, or how do we prepare better for that, or you know, that sort of thing. Um, you know, my my. My role at the club is pretty much the same as it has been, maybe not as vocal or as in the front um, because there have been some adjustments that have been made. But, you know, I'm still asking those questions and and getting the answers and 
having conversations with everybody from Nigel to, you know, Martin and Ross and, and Danny and, and everybody on the board. And you mentioned you haven't broken any monitors uh, during the Crawley and Colchester games. Nope. Um, nope. What games did you break monitors in? <laughs> uh, there, was a, there was a game uh, where we lost to like a 7th or 8th division club. Do you all remember that? Yeah. <laughs> and it was at home. Talk about a buzzkill. You remember that game? Yeah, sadly we, we did. remember. Yeah. So does that mo- so does that monitor that's now in the dump. <laughs> you got Dell on speed dial, no doubt. Um, <laughs> but um, but in in terms of Crawley, obviously we w- we went down to ten men uh, on the half hour mark. Hector unfortunately committed to a, a challenge that he really ought not to have done. Um, but we did well in that game versus Colchester, which seemed a little bit. Flat, for want of a better expression. Agreed. How else? How else would you describe those games? I don't want to put words in your mouth. Um, I would. I would describe them uh, the way I perceive that most of our fans and and you guys have described it. And you know, the great thing about football is is that it's a performance oriented game, and it's also extremely easy for people to review the performance because they're being streamed. It's not like you read about it, you know, in the newspaper or, you know, online. Uh, Everybody can watch the game and form their own opinion. Now, all of us have biases, I think, around how maybe things should be done or the best way to achieve what we're after. But I don't think there's any disagreement over the fact of what we're trying to achieve over the long term. And that is, you know, to go from where we are into League One. And that's that was the stated objective when we bought the club, and that remains the stated objective. So when I think about those two particular games, I look at it more as, is this more of an example of what's got us into 10th versus being in 7th or 6th or 5th? Or is, you know, is this kind of an outlier? Uh, and again, because of how inconsistent we've been at times this season, I think it's just another indication of some inconsistencies. You've mentioned inconsistencies, and so has head coach Ross Embleton more than once uh, in his yep. post-match interviews. Ross seems to be dividing fans at the moment on social media anyway. Not to say that he's dividing the entire fan base, but definitely on social media. There seems mm-hmm. to be a bit of a split developing I mean what are your views at the moment on Ross Embleton is he doing a good job is he doing a bad job could he be doing a better job I'm trying to think of a manager that doesn't divide the fan base Jurgen Klopp does he (laughs) there might be one yeah (laughs) okay so so I so I start from that position Um, you know, I think that Ross has to improve, uh, I just, like I thought Justin needed to improve. And I think that as Justin improved, I think the team improved. And so I think that Ross needs to improve. Ross knows the areas I think he needs to improve on. Um, it's not, it's not like secret 
Um, I don't think it's secret from Ross about where the fans think he should improve because, you know, while we may not all respond to social media all the time, we, we are watching social media and paying attention. And I think that Ross has a strong learning mindset where he wants to learn and he wants to do better and he wants to perform better. And I think he will over time. Um, and, and I, and I think that's, I think that's kind of where, you know, he's at. I think that the biggest challenge for me is that I want Ross to be confident in the appropriate places and to rely on his staff and on the team to be confident in the areas where he needs them to be. And, you know, I, I think not only is his, you know, him himself and the team, but I think his interactions with Nigel, his interactions with Danny, his interactions with Martin Ling, you know, those are all important interactions. And so I just think that, you know, from where we are and where, you know, I think that where we are is a pretty good indication of where Ross and Martin and Danny and Nigel and me and the board and the team are. I think that's a fair representation being 10th. Which is an improvement on last season, obviously. So, so the, so, so, so then the question is, should we be higher? Probably. Could we be higher? Probably. Will we figure out how to make it to where we're higher at the end of the season than we are today? Hopefully we've made those changes in order to do that already in the transfer window and in some other things that we're doing. We, we, I think there is this, I think there is this unsatisfied desire in our fans to be at the top of the table, to be clearly the most dominant team in the league, to clearly win every game three nil to you know for us to be feared by everyone in the league and for all of them to basically be saying to each other which of us is going to finish second because we know Leighton Orient's going to finish first I think that's the underlying desire of a number of our fans and a number of us on the board and the staff and I think that that's a good thing because it gives us an expectation level to which we are trying to attain. And it, it, it gives us an easy way to contrast between where we are and where we want to be. Cool. Um, you mentioned Martin Ling there. We've obviously done a fair bit of transfer business. Two have left us, left us in Josh Wright and Jordan Maguire drew one permanently, one on loan. But we've yep. bought in. We've bought in, as you've said on this very podcast and, and in in club interviews, League One capable, um, League One capable capable players. What, what's your views on on our transfer business this this January transfer window? Well, I think the I think that we always have to go back to what is the late Orient Football Club transfer window strategy. And that window strategy is is that every window, whether that's a summer or a winter window, we're going to get three, you know, two to four people that are going to upgrade our squad 
from where we are to where we want to be. And I think that consistently Martin Ling has done a good job of bringing in additional players over and over. And it goes all the way back to somebody named Joby McEnough. Uh, and then you've got, you know, somebody named James Brophy and, you know, on and on the list goes. Now, let's remember that if we're going to bring in two to four every transfer window, every 24 months, the team is going to be different. It's going to be a new team every 24 months because that's what, you know, four times four is. It's like 16. <laughs> so, and four, you know, four times three is like 12. So, you know, I think that that, you know, we have, I think, we set our turnover levels at that, and we also continue to raise our expectations. So the expectations in the summer of 2017 are different than the expectations in the winter of 2021. And I think we have lived up to those expectations in 2021, and I think we'll do that in the summer of 2021. So what we're doing is, is that we are building a squad, building a team, that's ready to compete in the league that's above us. And that's, that's the stated objective. And I think that Martin Ling deserves credit for doing that this last summer, last winter, and this winter. I'm glad you've spoken about Martin Ling because there's still an element of the fan base who question the director of football role. Correct. Question Martin Ling as a director of football. Yep. So, as it stands, you're still happy with the director of football role, and you're still very happy with Martin Ling in his role. I, you know, I'm happy with Martin, and I'm happy with the director of football role. Again, I there is the personality side of Martin Ling, and I get along very well with Martin. Everybody knows that, and, and we are very friendly. And every once in a while, we'll have a cuddle. And, and, and so, but, but it's also a performance-based game. It's a performance-based business and Martin has to continue to perform. I think he's performed well, uh, but he knows that the expectation, no, Martin Ling is already getting ready for the summer transfer window. That's what happens the day after we close the, the transfer window, right? So the day the winter transfer window closes, that would have been January the 31st. So guess what happened on February the 2nd? You I, called, what you were doing. I yeah. called Martin Ling and I started asking him, <laughs> what are we going to do this summer? <laughs> and what was his response to that? I'm working on it. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. I guess we're on a podcast so I can say that. Uh but yeah, I mean, that's his response is, I knew you were going to call me. Thanks. <laughs> kind of thing. Didn't it's like, down. yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. Mm. Right. And that's, and that's, this is that unbridled desire of our fan base, you know, to be the best. And that's what we want. We want to do the best. We want to be the best. And I think that, you know, I don't expect our fans to ever believe that we're doing everything perfectly and everything right. Um, but what I do want our fans to know is, is that we wake up every day trying to figure out how to make a better club. Before we started recording with you, you made a great point about saying that, 
you know, if you were to come out when you'd bought the club along with Nigel and said, we are going to get you two promotions in four years, we as a fan base would have turned around and said, you're absolutely crazy. Or that, uh, that, that is yeah. the expectation of some fans at the moment. And, and that's okay that they have those expectations and that they, that they have the, I mean, kudos to us for building a club where they can think that way versus maybe the other way of thinking, which is, oh my gosh, we're all, we're going to be in a relegation battle the next four or five years. Mm -hmm. Right. We've got, but the I think the, the majority of our fans believe that we will be in league one in the next three years, maybe this year, maybe next year, probably the year after they believe that we will, and they expect that we will be in League One, the majority of our fans. Now, what's wrong with that? Nothing. There's nothing wrong with that. And I think that, you know, there's nothing wrong with them having high expectations of Ross. I, there's nothing wrong with them having high expectations of Martin, of me, of Nigel, of Matt Porter, of, you know, the board, of, you know, there's nothing wrong with them having high expectations of us because that gives us something to live up to. That gives us a reason to improve and, and, and to make things better. Uh, same thing with Danny. So Danny Macklin. So um, I, I, I just think that that's, it's a good thing that the fans continue to voice their concerns, voice their desires, voice their dreams uh, so that we can, you know, continue to build a great club. And yeah, if I just, if I, because we talked about this uh, back in the summer of 17 or the fall, the spring of 17, Nigel and I had this conversation. I said to Nigel, what we're going to do is we're going to set the expectations low so we can overachieve on the expectations. I said, most American owners will come out and promise the world in order to be loved. I said, let's don't do that. Let's be loved because we're realistic and because people know we care and we know and they know we love them and that we're doing the best we can for the club and that we're going to make a difference. And let's give them some realistic expectations around what we can achieve, which is get back to League One in eight years, six to eight years. And here we are in the fourth year and people are starting to expect that we're going to be in League One. Nothing wrong with that. You mentioned earlier about the, or we asked about the transfer, January transfer window. We're just going to fast forward a little few weeks, few months into the summer. We've got a significant amount of players out of contract, a complete opposite to what we had last year. Um, how confident are you on the likes of Danny Johnson, maybe Lawrence Vigarou signing new contracts? I know you're not necessarily involved in that that's obviously oh. down to martin but oh no no i can i am absolutely confident they're going to sign a new contract but you're asking me if they're going to sign a new contract with leighton orient <laughs> absolutely i don't care about other clubs <laughs> <laughs> and and you know i'm not absolutely confident that anybody's gonna you know play for leighton orient football club um you know, I'm not confident that that we would get Tristan back, and you know, I mean, you you don't you don't in these situations you don't know because 
the thing is, we didn't know that Macaulay would get the offer that he got, that Josh would get the offer that he got, that, I mean, you know, we weren't confident that, you know, we don't know. We don't know. It's not our, it's not our job to force them to play for Leighton Orient Football Club. We have to create a football club where we believe it's the best thing for them and they believe it's the best thing for them. And the turnover at the club this summer is due to decisions that Justin made when we won, you know, the league uh, championship, National League championship. Uh, Justin wanted to re-sign all of his players. He had a very strong belief that the players that he had could get us from the National League to League One. And he believed that they had just proven that by winning uh, the National League. And so all of those players that you're talking about, those are all Justin's signings. All of them. Mm -hmm. Every single one of them. Except not DJ. But, and not and not Vigaru, but the vast majority are, are Justin signings. And so, you know, do we want DJ to come back? Uh, have we lost our minds to say no to that? You know, do we want Lawrence Vigaru back? Of course we do. You know, we'd, we'd be crazy not to say, because clearly they are League One quality. Now, the question is, since we're not in League One and they are League One quality, should they be playing in League One? Well, we hope that what they do is they help us get to League One. That's what we want them to help us do. But we can't force them to do that. Now, the other thing is, is that because of, the, because of the kind of madness that's going on in the National League and, and uh, you know, the situations around uh, salary caps, I do believe that there'll be really good players that are available this summer and hopefully – we will be surprised not only by the fact that the people that we do want to return return, but also we upgrade the squad again this summer at the same level that we've done in the past. So here's the thing. You guys can ask, ask me any question that you want. I'm not saying, and I'll answer any question that you want me to answer. I'm just saying you aren't you aren't always going to like the que the answer that I give. <laughs> so, <laughs> the answer, you know, this is the you know this is the answer, right? The answer is: Are we a big enough club to compete with who DJ may get offered by? Were we a big enough club for Josh? Nope. Macaulay Bond? Nope. It's just the reality of the club that we are. Do we want to be a bigger club than we are? Yeah. Do we want to be more important? Yeah. Do we want to be more respected, more valued? Yeah. We have to earn that, though. We can't just demand it. Very good answer. Very good answer. So <laughs> to come back to the kind of finale of this season, have your on-the-board targets changed throughout the season? Are you watching the league game? Well, this anyone could walk with this. Are your expectations changing, or are they still the same from what they were at the beginning of the season? My expectations are the same. Um, I I would be hesitant to speak on behalf of everyone on the board about how or how theirs 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 might have been adjusted. 
I still believe that we should finish the league, especially given the talent that we have. We should finish in the top seven with above a 1.5, um, you know, with a with a, with above a 1.5 points per game and a goal differential that, uh, you know, would put us in the top seven from a goal differential perspective. Uh, so my uh, expectations and my uh, my 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 sort of outcome hasn't changed. Um, I have been very encouraged by the fact that we started out much lower than I expected and we've come up. We even got to where I thought we should be and now we've dropped down a little bit. So my expectation is, is that we'll finish the season strong. Uh, the other thing is, is that, you know, mine again is not personality based. So it's not based on the personality of Martin Ling and it's not based on the personality of Ross. Uh, it's a, I have a standard and I judge things against that standard and, and that's how I, that's how I judge it. And I don't move the standard, uh, just because I feel either good or bad about, you know, where we are. Now we, and it, this is not, just so y'all know, this is not news to Ross. This is not news to Martin <laughs> and it's not news to Danny Macklin. Right. This is not news to them. They every seven games we go through the review. How have the last seven been? What are we going to do the next seven? How do we improve? What are we going to do in the transfer window? All that stuff. That's all been going on. Just because I'm not on Twitter doesn't mean I'm not on the phone with some people. <laughs> that's all. <laughs> yeah, and that's a, that's a fair point. You've been rather quiet on on Twitter, assuming you've just obviously taken that decision that that you're not going to to get involved in 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 Twitter. But you do still look at Twitter, don't you? I do. I re- I read Twitter. I mean, I I know the I know the questions and the and the comments that are being made on Twitter. Um, yeah, I've got I've got a personal problem with Twitter. That's my own personal problem, so that that makes it to where I'm I'm not as active. Uh, I still send messages every once in a while to to uh, you know Dave Victor and and Mar- and Matt uh, during a game every once in a while, just to you know every once in a while. But uh, I'm still very active with uh, the conversations with Nigel. I was on the phone with Nigel uh, this morning for an hour and a half. Um, just this morning, I talked to Mark, I, I talked to, uh, you know, Nigel yesterday. I talked, I think I've talked to Nigel every day this week. Hmm. Uh, and we constantly are communicating via email and text and WhatsApp and voice and zoom and, and all of that. So I'm still as involved as I've been where I'm not as involved is in delivering certain messages. So originally um, I thought that it was valuable for me to deliver certain messages. And I think, you know, uh, Nigel enjoyed the fact that Cryptic Kent delivered certain messages and, and you know, and did all that. And, and but over time, uh, just as a club, I think it becomes more and more important that the communication comes from Nigel, uh, from the chairman um, and, you know, Nigel has had, you know, has gone through some sort of personal transformations in the sense that he's not the chairman of Dunkin' Donuts anymore because there is no more Dunkin' Donuts and, and Baskin Robbins. And, you know, so he's taken on a more active role uh, communication wise. I also think that another thing is, is that 
the communication with the English press, sporting press, is much better served by Nigel than it is by me um, because of his accent and he knows the words to use and, and all of that. And so the messages are more coming from the club versus from Nigel and I as personalities. And, you know, I think Nigel is, is doing a great job being the chairman and, and that's, you know, that's just a, a slight transition. Now we've got this whole COVID thing that comes into play here. And what that means is, is that I don't get the chance to see you guys and walk down Leighton High Road and be at the Lion and Key and walk into the stadium and be at the supporters club and, you know, and all of that. And hopefully you guys miss it as much as I do. And, and you know, that's just my really primary communication model and and I think, uh, you know, the value that I add to the club is more of an in-person type model for the most part over a, you know, a public, uh, I don't know, press release or something like that. So uh, that, that all factors into Kent maybe not as, doesn't seem to be as visible as he has been in the past, but it doesn't mean I'm not as active. So when you're watching the game, Ken, I have to ask this. I obviously, and Paul does as well, Have we have our little groups, like our WhatsApp groups, and always communicating with fellow fans during games. Do you have a WhatsApp group who you're talking to during games? So are yeah. you and Nigel messaging during games, going, oh, X yeah. should have done Y, or are you yeah. just... Yes, yes. I have, I, have, I, have, I have a WhatsApp group that consists of the board and Martin Link. <laughs> and Danny Macklin. Wow. Okay. And and fortunately, those are not published <laughs> 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 because I'm not quite sure on my keyboard why the numbers W T F seem to come out so often, but that seems to be the most clicked on message that it's WTF and question mark. Now, if you look at a keyboard, they don't seem to relate to each other, but that's, that tends to be the most active message that gets sent by me is, you know, WTF question mark. So anyway, hey, listen, we all want our club to perform better, our, our team to perform better. We all want to win more games. We all want to draw appropriately. I was going to say more, but let's call it appropriately. And and we all want that. That's what we want. So it should be no surprise to the fans, and I know it's no surprise to Martin Ling and to Ross and to the players, you know, that we have our opinions and that we voice those opinions. Um, and... And yeah, we're we're fans, and and we want more, and we want to do better, and 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 that's what we're after. So yeah, when I'm when I'm watching a game, uh, just so y'all know now, right? So most of the time, these matches are in the middle of the afternoon or the early morning here in the United States. Hmm. So by the time an evening game happens in the UK, I'm already all fired up. And, 
So, you know, my wife has a tendency to shut a couple of doors and go turn up the TV in a certain um, part of the house so she can get away from me. But every once in a while, she'll come in and say, you're scaring the dog because you're yelling too loud. <laughs> or, or she'll say, what were you cussing about? And I say, late in Orient. And then she says, oh. So, yeah, I, I, I tend to watch the matches the same way you do because I'm just as disconnected as you guys are. Um, now, obviously, Twitter can be a, a good place. It can also be an unpleasant place to be. And there seems to be a lot of fans who seem to vent, particularly if, if things haven't gone well uh, in a particular game. And I've seen. We, I think it's fair to say we've seen quite an uptake in uptick in um, in this sort of online messaging and 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 how their you know messages are being put across sort of borderline abuse uh, in in certain ways to Nigel Ross, uh, you Martin uh, on there. Is there a danger that you and Nigel could say, do you know what this this negative far outweighs any positives, and actually, you know, this is this is not for us anymore and it, it's too hostile for us. Is, is there, uh, is there a danger of that happening? No. And the reason is, is that the sociology of Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, um, has shifted because of the pandemic. So when people don't have an appropriate, face-to-face communication outlet and they are forced to only communicate via the keyboard that causes a social a sociology dynamic that's different i also believe that there is an overwhelming amount of angst and just bad feeling in the world today that's at a heightened level compared to what it was two years ago, simply because of the pandemic and the response that we've been required to enforce as a world around the pandemic. Can you imagine a world in 2017 where you would say to me, oh, by the way, you can't fly to the United Kingdom no matter what? And I think there is just a level of frustration in the world because of the pandemic and because of our response, which I think I, I think our responses are appropriate, but they have these unintended consequences. And so I want our fans to know that when I read Twitter, I don't read it from a personalization perspective. And I also read it from the perspective that I believe that our fans are not only frustrated with, you know, potentially late Orient football club, but with other things going on in their life. And I completely understand why, because I'm also locked in my room, in my house for seemingly days on end. And we are social beings and, 
So there is so even though there tends to be maybe a more negative slant and a you know a more aggressive tone on Twitter, I don't read it that way because I'm I I am mostly reading it from an understanding perspective, not from a personal attack perspective. That's a great answer and one I'm very uh, happy to hear hear you say. So I think the last question from us, because we've kept you for, for quite a long time uh, on your Sunday, is that there seems to be some polarisation across the, the fan base. There's lots of fans digging each other out. There's lots of arguing going on. People are happy and not so happy. So what's, what's your message to the fans at this point in time, Ken? Well, first of all, I would ask you when that wasn't true at Lake Norrie Football Club. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it seems more polarised now than it ever has been. That's a good question, though. <laughs> you know, that's just, that's, uh, you know, again, yes, we are polarised. Yes, we are a club. Aren't we just the most fantastic, dysfunctional family you guys have ever been a part of? And, and, and that's, and that's kind of how I view it. Yeah, we're going to go through times as a club where we're more dysfunctional, where we're having you know, a little bit more of a time at going at each other and, and that sort of thing. Uh, and then there'll be times, you know, just imagine this fan base the next time we get promoted. Okay. There's still going to be polarization in the fan base about either how long it took us to get there or who took us there, or, you know, there'll still be polarization even when we get what we want. And and, and so a certain amount of polarization is, is understandable and is certainly acceptable. My only request of my only request of the fans is that they lower, uh, I don't know the right way to say it, but just if they could just lower the negativity slightly, um, I, I think it'll make a little bit of a difference, but I'm not worried about their negativity at the club. I'm more concerned about their negativity to each other. And so my request would be that they talk about the things they do have in common, that they do agree on, and just know that there are going to be certain things they disagree with. I think the biggest point that I would try to make is I don't mind and I expect people to disagree. But when you become extremely disagreeable, that's when I think you hurt yourself and you end up hurting the club. So my request is continue to disagree, continue to be passionate, just maybe lower the disagreeability level a little bit so we're not quite so disagreeable. So, Ken, thank you very much indeed uh, for all of that, for your honesty, uh, which we obviously never doubted would be. There's a lot of information for, for fans to digest there. Uh, thank you for coming on. We, we haven't heard from you or seen you in this capacity for some time, and it's always a, our great pleasure uh, to have you on. So yeah. thank you very much indeed.
Uh, it's always it's always great spending time with you guys, and uh, you know, I, I, you know, the the fans just need to know that uh, I remain completely in love with this crazy family that we've built together, <laughs> or that or that you guys let me be a part of. So thanks for that. Uh, you know, second thing is just basically I hope that our fan base continues to be more proud, and everybody associated to Leighton Orient continues to be more proud about the club than they were yesterday. And then my third message is just, you know, that age old message of up the O's. Fantastic. Lovely. Mr. T, lovely to have you back on the podcast. Wish to hear and see you very soon, as soon as the situation allows. And from us, just a massive thank you for coming on. All good, gentlemen. Take care, Ken. We'll speak to you again soon. All the best. bye. Bye for now. So, so that was, that was Ken indeed. Teague. That was about 45 minutes then, if my Just a bit over, yeah. Correct. So we've asked him about Ross, about Martin, about transfers, if he was still engaged with Leighton Orient. And to be honest, that was a much longer interview than what I thought it was going to be. But I thought Ken was absolutely outstanding and I would chuffed he's coming on the Outlook podcast. I absolutely could not agree any more with that. I think some of the answers he gives, I mean, obviously we could be here all night, with, you know, go on and on with some of them. But, you know, at the end of the day, he, he's already confirmed his unbridled um, love for Orient. He's, he's in it for the long term. You know, they're challenging each other at the board all the time and, you know, wanting to push on, wanting to do better, wanting to be a better club, how to do things Better and I think Danny Macklin's, you know, that sort of front and centre of all of that. And uh, uh, you know, I know that wasn't necessarily said in those words. It's just my interpretation of it all. So, you know, we couldn't be in better hands. I think, Mr. Nussbaum, and I think now we're going to press on with with the week that was and allow everybody to draw their own conclusions from from what Kent's had to say. Well, let's do it. In the week that was, then, so Coulson Monday, the first of February. And it was transfer deadline day. And in the afternoon, the O's announced the loan signing of 22-year-old ex-O striker Tristan Abrahams until the the end of the season with a view to a permanent move. So Tristan said, I'm buzzing. I'm so happy to be back. This is my home. I know a lot of the boys here. When you move mid-season, you want to hit the ground running. Come back here. I know a lot of the people, staff and the philosophy of the club. It was an easy decision to make. Yeah, Ross Embleton was quoted as saying he's a good lad and a player we always look out for because of his history with the club. And to be able to bring someone like him in this window provides a real good option. This signing gives us the options to play different people up front, different formations when we need to. It's nice to have that alternative. So Steve, your views on on Tristan signing? Yeah, I was happy with this one. I was slightly surprised, although I did think we'd bring in a striker, but I didn't think it'd be Tristan. Mm. Um, as good as we could have hoped for, I think, on the last day of the transfer window. Like he said, he knows the club. He thinks he's got unfinished business. So I look forward to watching him play. I've got to give credit to the media team who put up a sneaky photo of him uh, just before the signing was announced and said they were doing a thank you, Simon, uh, tweet um, for the photos to kind of get people off guard. But yeah, I was happy with that one. Um, what about yourself? Yeah, I don't disagree with, with anything you said there. I thought though he was doing okay at Newport um so obviously what you know first question that came to me was sort of what's gone wrong for him there but then you look at who Newport signed they signed Nicky Maynard from Mansfield on loan 
Uh, they added Dominic Telford from Plymouth, Jake Scrimshaw on loan from Bournemouth, and Owen Windsor on loan from West Brom earlier in the window, all earlier in the window. So they've really bolstered their their attacking prowess as well. So uh, he was obviously considered surplus to requirements. So yeah, like you, came came a bit out of the blue, but it's uh, it's good that he's back with that bit between his teeth with that unfinished business side of things. You know, he left us four years ago to go to Norwich. We've got a good fee for him. Uh, if I remember rightly, so you know, let's let's see what he can let's see what he can bring to the team. Obviously, Danny Johnson, I know he returned on Saturday, but nonetheless, he's still not match match sharp. Really, he's been out for a while. So, yeah, be, being it's an interesting signing. I think it's fair to say and we had quite a lot of tweets in on this. We certainly did. Gary Talbot Seven said to me, "This is an excellent shout, and I'm glad to have him back." Boatsy also said, "Great to see Tristan back. Best." Uh, best thing that he left, got experience, and most importantly, he left as a boy, returned as a man. Welcome home, Tristan. Great tweet there. Parksy1881. So those fans wanted signings. Freeman, Kemp, Thompson and Abrahams. Not one that disappoints, but they'll need time to bet in. 21 games to go, 63 points up for grabs, 72 points to target, so it's 1.71 points per game. Stay patient, please, and back the boys in red good tweet again there yeah some good stats in there Tom underscore Kendall 03 said caps off a great window anything from here on in is a bonus for me hopefully translates to results on the pitch and quickly John Crab Freeze is fantastic signing as they have all been in this window real strength now pressure on the management to make this group click and produce at Casey Adams LOFC said fair play to the board and Martin Ling they have shown real statement of intent this window I imagine a lot of money has been spent during a pandemic sorry I imagine a lot of money has been spent during a pandemic it's brought huge pressure for the management to deliver now Jack Furlong 19 said I'm happy with this window we've brought in Dan Kemp Nick Freeman Adam Thompson and Tristan Abrahams I rate the window an 8 and would have been a 10 if we had bought in a fullback but credit to everyone at the club got to be pushing for the playoffs now so with that day, the January transfer window came to a close. We had yep. four in, two out. So Dan Kemp came in on a permanent deal. Nick Freeman's coming on loan. Adam P- Thompson's coming on a permanent deal. And Tristan Abraham's on a loan with a view to a permanent move in the summer. And we only lost, well, we lost three if you count Miles Judd. So we lost Josh Wright, who's gone on a permanent deal to Crawley. Jordan McGuire Drew, who's on Crawley at loan. And Miles Judd. Barnet on loan. So I'd say, all in all, that's not a bad bit of the transfer window at all. Yeah, absolutely. And if it's anything to go by from last year's January transfer window, minus one, um, then I think we're in for a bit of a decent sort of rest of the season, so to speak, once once everything gets uh, gets clicking and we go flying. So moving on then to Tahue Tuesday, the, tw- uh, the 2nd of February. The under-18s were in action away to Gillingham. They drew the game one also well done to the young O's there not seeing them play for a little while so no doubt a little bit of uh, match rustiness in, in both sides yeah good point later in the day the club announced that Miles Judd has extended his loan spot Barnet for another month so we wish Miles all the best of luck from us here at Orient Outlook Podcast Towers absolutely but the main event of Tuesday was Crawley Town away and before the game we ran a Twitter poll to find out how you thought the O's would get on in this one and after 123 votes in just 4 hours it's a bit of a last minute decision now 15% thought a draw 35% thought an Orient win and a whopping 50% so half of those people thought that Orient or roughly half would lose so thanks to everybody who took the time to vote yeah, so the team was announced at 6pm as this one kicked off at 7. Vigaru in goal at the back. Sam Ling, 
Tunji Akinola, mm-hmm. Adam Thompson and James Brophy. In midfield, Craig Clay, Nick Freeman and Hector Kiprianu with Connor Walkinson, Dan Kemp and Ralph Sotiriou leading the attack on the subs bench. Sam Sargent, Joe Widowson, Jamie Turley, Boosh Cissé, Joby McEnough, James Dayton and Tristan Abrahams. Yeah, that's, uh, that's interesting as Ross made two changes to the starting side that lost against Bolton as in come Nick Freeman and Adam Thompson. Out go Joby McEnough who takes a place on the bench and Josh Coulson who's not in the matchday squad due to illness. With deadline day signing Tristan Abrahams taking his place on the bench as XO Josh Wright started for the home side. Jordan Maguire drew his loan agreement would not permit him to play against us. So for me, I'm pleased with that. Uh, side that didn't do well enough, uh, although how fit Freeman uh, and Thompson are, um, it obviously remained to be seen at the time I wrote it. I hope they give a good account of themselves and hopefully this will keep others on their toes, knowing that their place in the team isn't safe. Yeah, for me, I was happy to see, like you said, of Thompson and Freeman come in League One, capable players in my eyes, players who I think will make an impression on the side and two I was really looking forward to seeing. A bit of pressure, I thought, on well at the time. Obviously, Tristan just signed on the bench. He got a bit of um, slack following his performance against Bolton the previous Saturday, so I thought there was a bit of pressure there. So, lots of tweets came into us when the team was announced. Oli underscore Sonnenfeld said, this felt like the perfect moment to try something different. 4-4-2 perhaps, but it's still a strong team that should be capable of winning. Yeah, Poplar32 said, would have put Thompson at right back where he played for at Rotherham quite a few times. Joe at left back and pushed Brophy up. Alpha 2 underscore O underscore Mega said, makes sense except for keeping Ruel in. I expect Dave Hams will replace him at some point in the game, hopefully sooner rather than later. Alan AVM1502 said, so hardly a shot on Saturday, yet the same three up front and the same formation. Paul Redrum said, the stubbornness of this manager is driving me mad. We have a talented set of players, yet he cannot find the right positions for them. Yes, fans, we can see this. Why Ross? Why? So the match kicked off horrible evening with both Dio's and Crawley looking to push into the playoff places after both had been defeated the previous weekend. And after only two minutes, Crawley were awarded a penalty as Powell was bundled over in the Orient box and the referee had no hesitation and pointed to the penalty spot. Looked like a penalty from the one angle I've seen it at. Yeah, for me, I think it's difficult to say whether it is or not. They may have tangled. The guy might have just tripped over. Unfortunately, the referee, I guess he's minded to... He's got to give that, really. Yeah, so up stepped Tom Nichols, who smashed his penalty. It hit the bar and then flew over. What bad penalty that was. Terrible penalty. The player should be embarrassed, I think, for that. I, I, you know, you've got to at least hit the target. Again, professional footballers should always hit the target. If the keeper saves it, fine. Um, but you should not be doing that. Look how thin that bar is as well, and he smashed it straight on it. I've got to say, I was delighted to hear say I hit the bar. So we remain goalless, so let's crack on. In the 13th minute, Nick Freeman, who was impressing in his first O start, he won back possession, he led a counter-attack, he passed into Connor Wilkinson, his shot wide in the 19th minute, and then Connor had a free kick later, the XO, Glenn Morris handled well in the Crawley goal. So at this point, we were starting to get the upper hand, starting to play the better football, and we were looking the most likely team to score at this point in the game. Absolutely. We're going to fast forward a few minutes. A nice O's move in the 23rd saw the ball worked out to Sam Ling on the right-hand side who put in a beautiful cross that Connor Wilkinson headed into the net past Glenn Morris. But the linesman waved, for a, waved his flag for a foul on Tunnicliffe. 
never a foul. No. Never a foul for me. Kind of beat his man in the air, just from pure strength. Tunnicliffe knew he was beaten, throws himself down, and we really should have been given the goal, but chalked off, disallowed. So, in, in, in part of that, I agree with you. I think it was poor refereeing for me. Kemp is the one that gets shoved into the Crawley player, into the back of him. And he then falls into the back of the Crawley defender who's vying for the ball with Wilkinson. So actually, we deserved, the, we deserved something from that. We deserved either that goal or something from within the box because Dan Kemp was pushed over trying to get the ball. So for me, Connor Wilkinson's header was perfectly good and it should have stood. Um, yeah. yeah. 26 minutes in, James Brophy drilled the ball across the face of goal which came to nothing. 28th minute, Dan Kemp had a shot that just went over the bar. So at this point, we are really pressuring him. It's all us. And if he thought the goal was coming, he thought it was going to be to the men in black. Yeah, 29 minutes on the clock. Adam Thompson was booked for a late tackle on Nadison. And two minutes later, another controversial decision from the referee as Hector Kiprianu miscontrolled the ball, made a late challenge to win it back and the ref pulled out a red card. I think that's a red card all day, I've got to be honest. It's a yeah. terrible challenge um, on the man, uncharacteristic of Hector, but still, you can't challenge like that. And Unfortunately, he was given these marching orders um, as the Crawley players got in the refs here, but I've got no problem with that. That's what I would have been told to do, and silly Hector for me. Yeah, I mean, the more you watch it, it doesn't really look any better. He's given the already biased referee no choice. I don't think, I think you're right, I don't think Hector meant any malice in it at all. I don't think he's that kind of guy. It was just, he's just mistimed it, mis, you know, misorganised himself. You know, he, he, he shouldn't have slid in, he should have just stood the man up. Um, but you're right, actually. You know, how is it that when all the Crawley players went and surrounded the ref, Craig Clay was the only one fighting them off and fighting our corner? Um, I, th- I, th- I find that quite disappointing. Why didn't more players go and, and get involved and try and help s- persuade this this biased ref to um, to not do that? Basically, I, f- I find that a little bit puzzling. I think Josh Wright took a bit of criticism, and it may get mentioned in a post match tweet, and it might not about how he kind of went over with some quality players and said that's a red. For me, no issue with that. If 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 you're making those kind of challenges, a, a coach. And mostly two coaches would say, get in the refs here and, and, you know, influence what he's saying. So I, I couldn't argue with that at but, all. So let's move forward but, then. But nobody knows what Josh Wright said because Josh Wright, no one was there. So I don't understand. Yeah, like, Josh Wright was there, but no one knows what Josh Wright said in his defence. No one knows yeah. that Josh Wright went to the ref and said, send him off ref or get him sent off. He might have been telling his players to come away from the ref. I, I don't know. I'm just playing devil's advocate a bit, but love the fact that everyone just naturally assumes and, and doesn't. You know, no one was actually there. He's not wearing a mic, so no one's actually ever going to know. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I get your point. I get just getting worked so Hector, up over nothing. Hector went off the pitch. We had ten men, so let's go to the forty-first minute, and the O's had to make their first change of the game as well. Satirio went down and he had to be replaced by deadline day signing Tristan Abrahams. I think you can always tell when an injury is not so good where the player looks upset. Ruel did look distraught. Yeah, he uh, looked in pain. Normally the sign of a bad injury, that one. Yeah, an alpha 2 underscore O underscore Mega. I don't know if, if that crystal ball was jinxed or something, but um, their 
premonition came true. Three minutes of additional time were played as the teams went in goalless at half-time. We had a few tweets that came in, and John W999 said, Cipriano having, having his best game sent off, Satoru having his best game carried off. A very orient evening so far. Great tweet. Gibbs, the ESP, said, decent first-half performance against 12 men. Tom D. Simmons underscore Tom said more energy than in recent weeks tough on Hector but in today's game that sort of challenge is always likely to see red Freeman and Kemp so far at least bringing much more to the party than Cissé and McEnough Thompson looks a bit rusty but it's early days so second half kicked off with no further changes for the O's and as expected Crawley were having more of the ball but without really creating any chances in the 61st minute some good pressure from the audience, or Craig Clay have an effort saved emphatically by Morris before Dan Kemp had an effort deflected wide for a corner. And shortly after, Nick Freeman drilled a shot towards the bottom corner, which Glenn Morris got down low to save. Uh, he saved right, actually, Glenn Morris. Still very agile for his age. He's doing well there, but at this point, we were definitely creating the better chances, even with the 10 men. Yes, absolutely. 68 minutes on the clock. Nichols tried his luck with a curling shot from the edge of the box, which hit the side netting. So let's fast forward into the 80th minute. So not really many chances to talk about. It was the second O-sub as Joby McAnoff came on for Dan Kemp. Connor Walkinson was an in-book for diving in the 85th minute. And in the 87th minute, Joe Widowson came on for Sam Ling. Five additional minutes were played out as James Brophy was booked along with Rodri uh, for the hosts as the full-time whistle went with the teams having played out a goalless draw as the referee would be taking the headlines in this one. So Ross Embleton spoke today, Victor, after the match and said it's extremely funny how things come around. We spoke about how we didn't grind games out and we did that in abundance tonight. We probably don't draw enough games. That's not me saying we're going to send our team out to pick up draws. But I think you need to pick up points on the road when you don't play well or circumstances are against you. We evaded our luck, but there were a number of decisions tonight that would certainly be contested. So that full interview, if you want to go back and watch it, is on the club's YouTube channel. Johnny Ems, the Crawley manager, pretty much said something very similar. Went a bit stronger, didn't he? He called the referee a clown, clown. if I yeah. remember you said correctly. He's been in trouble for that now as well, so... Yeah, you have to be careful. So the league table update then, that draw meant we stayed in 10th place and we've now played 26 games. We've won 11, we've drawn 4, lost 11. We've got 37 points on the table and a goal difference of plus 5. We're just 3 points off the playoff places. So my views on that would have taken a draw before the game. So writing these views post-match, I'm even happier having gone down to 10 men for a large part of that game. Couldn't watch it, but it seemed like we dug in, put a real hard graph performance tonight. We've come away with a clean sheet and a point at our bogey side. And I thought our goal should have stood. The def- their defender shoved Dan Kemp, who fell onto the defender who missed the header. And we get penalised. Not sure why but the ref seemed poor all night. Seems like the signings did well too. So many, positive, so many positives to take into the A12 derby on Saturday. Do you know what? It seems like so long ago. That Doesn't was only it? five days ago, that match. Yeah. I mean, under the circumstances, it was a, it was a very good point. Uh, you know, Crawley are a bogey side. Terrible start after two minutes when we conceded a penalty. It was a definite red card. Our goal should have stood. It was just hindered by some really strange performances. But... I've got to say, that was probably the first performance in a long while where the players came off the pitch after 90 minutes and you thought, there you go, that's the Orient team that I want to see. Played for the shirt, new boys done well, clean sheet on Thompson's debut, uh, 
which I guess we'll speak about Thompson a bit later on. And I ended up by saying we need to follow this up now with a good performance and result against an out of form Colchester on Saturday. So your views then, as always now, we get such a huge volume of feedback after matches. So thanks to everyone who tweets us at Orient Outlook. And just because we read these tweets doesn't mean we agree with them. So D Ward underscore seven tweeted us, said show grit and determination and Freeman looked excellent. Samuel LOFC 97 said couldn't be prouder of the lads, worked their socks off and arguably could have won with 10 men. New signings are excellent, Thompson was solid, Kemp showed some quality and the way Freeman carries the ball as well. One Adam Conway said Hector ruined it with a stupid challenge that was a definite red. Crawley were appalling and there for the taking in the second half if it was 11 against 11. Brophy gives 100% but so wasted in defence. But you take the point all day with 10 men. Yeah, SR Barber1986 said, That was hard to watch once again. The referee had serious issues with us despite the sending off. I still think they were there for the taking. Should have tried to attack them more, not walk it into the corner. Take the point, I guess. The menace 1881 kept it short. He kept it sweet. He said, All we wanted to see, maximum effort. Well played, O's. Yeah, Charlie underscore Paul, much better. You can see the quality of the new players has really improved the side. Bring on Saturday. LDP Kings, a proper orient performance. Pride, passion, belief. Ref gives them the penalty, then we should have had one on Hector. We score a fair goal for Walkerson pushing. Just look at our man bundled to the ground before that incident. The red card was harsh. Everything went against us tonight. And we dug in. Matt J. Nash said, Great fight and draw against all the Crawley gods and weight of history. Three new signings who all started and were all impressive. Brophy was superb at left back. Only let one goal in in six matches while he's been playing there. Conceded two on Saturday when he moved up the pitch. Fair point that. Ben yeah. Whitlock, 13, said, Imagine the meltdown if we drew nil at home to a mid-table team after missing a penalty in the second minute and playing against 10 men for an hour. Great effort and a team selection to signpost future contract negotiations. That's a really good point, isn't it? Imagine we were the team mid-table who were... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, Bo, Bef- uh, Bo F. Barron said, uh, great result, great game. The team dug deep. New players all look good. Orient looks so much better when they drive forward with dynamism than, uh, than all the pass across the back possession uh, ball, what we usually see. 1965 AC 1881 so commitment unquestionable organisation excellent given that Freeman Abrahams and Thompson haven't played much I thought they all put in a shift Brophy man of the match Pandemonium 1881 said superb performance for every one of them tonight heart and soul some decent football mixed in brilliant with 10 men closing the space and giving them nothing point game but actually deserved more ref a complete imbecile not even not out a tent for turning up <laughs> Brilliant. Money for the 2-0-1-9. So decent point in the circumstances. New signings impressed. This is a good squad in this division and his promotion quality in the right hands. The one exception now is Link. He stands out as a National League player at best. Much more energy and passion on display. Crying out for 4-4-2 to get goals. Kid Sampson O tweeted a very short tweet. He said, fourth clean sheet in six for our stupendous fullback duo, Lingy and Brof. Yeah, good point again. Luke underscore T7 said, The boys dug deep with 10 men in the second half. Deserved the draw, but I do feel like we would have won it if we had all 11 over 90 minutes. So happy with how the new lads performed. All of them were brilliant. Wright was a bit cheeky. I'm glad Wilkinson gave it back to him. Wilkinson did seem to have a few uh, 
choice words, shall we say? Yeah, I think that I think that uh, that's a bit of an understatement. Um, to be honest <laughs> with you, I think yeah, I think there was I think there was more than words. Dave M one eight one two said, "Brilliant point. All performed well, but the new boys really slotted in well." Don't think Happy will get back in at the moment with the striker injuries. Bringing Tristan back could be a masterstroke. Feeling optimistic. Carl Fear 0-1 said, after all that madness, it was definitely a well-earned point. Very well fought in the second half. We really showed our ability to take on the dirty side of League 2 football. All the players showed grit and determination. Hopefully, we'll see much more of that in the future. Leighton Stonian gets the penultimate word on this one. Says, unpopular opinion number one. Brophy is the best left-back since Charlie Daniels. And, as he pauses to take a breath, more effective for us at left-back than up front. <laughs> And the final word on Crawley goes to Orient Meat Pie, who tweeted us and said we did really well to dig in with 10 men against their 12. A great shift from everyone. Impressed with Thompson at the back and Abrahams was direct and physical. Excellent O's. So those are everybody's views post, or a selection of the views that we had in post-match. The Design Cadby Prediction League update you've uh, not, not heard of at Design Cadby before, they specialise in company branding, advertising, print, digital and logo design with all Orient fans getting a 15% discount. If you're interested in any of the services that James and the team offer, you can find them on social media at Design Cadby, on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Or if you want to find out a little bit more, you can email James, hello at jamescadby.com. So not many correct predictions in this one. We only had two. So well done to Charlie underscore Paul and Andy Grosner, who both predicted nil-nil. And a top of the prediction league table roundup will follow at the end of the episode. So that wraps up Crawley. So we'll move on now to Wednesday the 3rd of Feb. The club announced that season card holders will receive free streaming access to the away game with Harrogate Town on Saturday the 13th of February. Thanks to the generosity of club sponsors so that's assuming that obviously the weather doesn't put paid to that yeah fingers crossed nice touch yes very. Yeah. although I'm sure the wife might be happy with another Saturday watching <laughs> uh, football from the computer so Thursday the 4th of February it was time for the goal of the month competition for January and there was only two goals to choose from Danny Johnson striking Salford or the Angles close strike against Morecambe absolutely no surprise with this one Danny Johnson's goal against Salford takes the goal of the month. I think they've got ninety percent of the vote. Congratulations to Danny. Commiserations to Lee. Um, yeah, we look forward to seeing more wonderful goals in February. Hopefully. Yeah, well, with only two goals to really choose from, it's not really. It's, it's quite slim pickings, <laughs> isn't it? Really. Mooney Friday, then yeah. the fifth of Feb, the club announced its January Player of the Month nominations. They were Tunji Akinola, James Brophy, Lawrence Vigaru, and Connor Wilkinson. And the overwhelming winner with 46% of the vote was previous attendee of this very podcast, our previous guest, Tunji Akinola. So well done to you, Tunji. Yeah, it deserved that for me. I think yeah. you know, all those four players have had a decent month. But for me, Tunji's really stepped up since he's been back in the team. and Happy to see him win it. And like you said been on the podcast recently yeah takes pride of month that's no that's no fluke yeah absolutely he's, he's showing he's got plenty of ability to to give and certainly at this level probably arguably he's probably too good for this level he's probably more league one but you know that's it's, it, it, i'm pleased he's on our side uh, as well so let's move on then steve to saturday the 6th of feb 
Let's do it then. So main event then was Colchester United at home. Before the game, we ran a Twitter poll to find out how you thought the O's would get on in this one. We had 145 votes in six hours and you voted as follows, with 10% thinking the game would end in the draw. Only 13% of you thinking Orion would lose the game and a huge 77% of you thinking Orion would win the game. So as always, thank you for all of your votes in that one. Absolutely. So at 2 o'clock, the team was announced with Lawrence Figueroa in goal, Ling, Akinola, Thompson and Brophy with a back four. Brophy, uh, sorry, Cissé, Clay and Freeman across the middle and Kemp, Abrahams and Wilkinson up top. Sergeant, Wooderson, Happy, McEnough, Dayton, Dennis and Johnson made the substitutes bench for this game. Yeah, so that side meant that if Cissé came in, he replaced the suspended Hector Kiprianu and Tristan Abrahams gets his first start since rejoining us as he replaced the injured Will Sotiriu. Danny Johnson was named on the bench for the first time since the Salford game on the 2nd of January where he picked up his injury. So, bearded legend, happy with that? Yeah, good line-up. Good to see Ross has kept the nucleus of the side who put in a good shift from Tuesday night, especially the back four. Um, hope we've got enough of the desire, determination and ambition that we had on Tuesday night to get the result over a Colchester side who, you know, really weren't haven't been doing very well. Solid bench with with game changes on it as well. Your views? Yeah, for me, when the lineup was announced, I liked the lineup, so no complaints. It was good to see Johnson on the bench, although I didn't really want to see him play unless absolutely needed. Um, I was hoping in this one we'd see a sharper Cisse. Obviously, he got dropped um, recently and hadn't been playing, so I wanted him to come back and stake a claim to stay in the team. And we also had lots of different attacking options on the bench. So mm. I was very happy with that one. Yeah, so we had loads that. and loads of tweets again when the team was announced. We'll mention a few that came into Orin Outlook. Uh, Alan Reeves too said, I don't understand the fuss about getting happy into play at right back. We've seen him play there before and it's hopeless. He's not a fullback. Ling is the better right back choice of the two. Happy messed up with that stupid challenge. And the other two centre backs were quality against Crawley. So now he has to wait. I mean, I. I I quite like that tweet in terms of once you lose your place in the team, whether it's through suspension or injury, you're not necessarily going to get back into it. Yeah. And I think that was the right choice there. I think Thompson and Tunji had done enough as a centre-back pairing to warrant starting. Even more Colchester. so. Even more Based so because we played with 10 men. Balling. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Len Chin Chin Wan said, let's see what the new players can contribute, but hope the midfield and defence put in a shift. Colchester has yeah. strengthened their team. Good point there again. Willow Gaffas, why would you change your defence after a clean sheet the previous game? So I don't get the moans about Happy not starting. I would have liked to see Joby in for Cissé, but at least with him starting, it doesn't restrict Clay from getting around the pitch, which he is best at. Yeah, prior to kick-off, there was a minute's applause for Simon Fellman as the match kicked off on a gloomy February Saturday afternoon in E10. And we're going to fast forward now to the ninth minute. Some good patient build-up play saw the ball moved out right uh, where Sam Ling was in plenty of space. He fed Connor Wilkinson, who drove into the box, got his shot away and forced inexperienced Colchester goalkeeper Shamal George into a save at his near post that eventually went out for a corner. Yeah, nice move there. Connor done well. Good save from the keeper yeah. from the resulting corner. Wilkinson had a great chance. Great delivery. And Connor got there from very close range, but headed just over the bar. Yeah, absolutely. And and from, from his perspective, I, I, I heard in Ross's interview, he said that Connor felt that he should have done better with that. But he was leaning back um, and it was a good opportunity. But, you know, seen him scored, seen him not scored. But yeah, I guess at that early on in the game, it would have been good to have had 
that that go in really obviously. Oh, he should be scoring that all day long. A striker of Connor's stature should be should be burying them for toes, but a real lot there for Colchester. So let's go into the seventeenth minute and a huge lot of this time for us. A cross came in from our left. They get in Colchester was starting to get in kind of round our back areas on the left hand side. Done it again through Welch Hayes. He crossed the ball in, which found Frank Noble at the near post. He headed onto the crossbar from a few yards out and luckily the ball bounced back out and Lawrence Bigaru gathered. I mean, oh. Noble should have buried that. We should have been a goal down there. Oh, you're not wrong. Not wrong. That is an absolute huge let-off for us. We were, we were poor there. Lawrence Bigaru was tested again in the 20th minute with a shot from Poku from distance. And I think it's been fairly, I think it's fair to say it's been fairly even and, and a little bit tetchy. Cole Yu have had a couple of good attempts at our goal in the last sort of two or three minutes and I think we just really needed to go up a gear and, and really sort of put the pressure back on them. Yeah, we did. Decent build-up play from the O's in the 25th minute. We were keeping possession well enough but there was just no final ball really. It just seemed the ball was always going to be fed to Connor um, and he was always going to kind of try and find an opening which happened again this time. He got some space but this time he shot wide. Yeah, not the first goalkeeper we've come up against who's young and inexperienced and hasn't been tested enough. That Shamal George, hasn't. he was a Liverpool academy player, went out on loan, I think he's played the most at Marine, who Spurs played in the FA Cup recently, and he's barely had any sort of senior moment, uh, senior um, uh, appearances. So, you know, really got to be testing these sorts, of, these sorts of players. 35 minutes on the clock now. Connor Wilkinson dispossessed a Cole U player in our midfield, who Cissé collected the ball. Fed Nick Freeman, who laid off to Sam Ling, but his cross couldn't find an Orient player, and the threat was gone. Poor cross there from Sam, really disappointing. And a minute later, some brilliant play from Wilkinson on our left. He done really well. Uh, he got a superb left foot cross into the box, and Tristan Abrahams had a soft header uh, that was easy for Shamal George in the Colchester United goal. Yeah, two minutes of additional time were added on, and in the first minute, Nick Freeman tried to feed Abrahams, who was too slow to react in the Colchester goalkeeper cleared the ball and then the half-time whistle went shortly after with both teams unable to find a goal to break the deadlock so for yeah, me yeah I mean go on it was just lackluster I just thought it was really lackluster half it was, I was really excited after that Crawley game um, and really kind of like energised by it and I thought oh, we're going to you know, take the game to um, Colchester in the first half but it never really happened we looked tired and lethargic which was understandable I thought Thompson looked really good I thought Connor looked lively Freeman was showing glimpses but apart from that for me there was no one else really doing anything apart from Abraham's weak head I hadn't done anything Kemp was completely anonymous in that first half I was just a bit meh with the whole first half really yeah, no, I, I can understand why. It's lots of possession, no cutting edge in the final third. Abraham's barely touched the ball. Um, you know, we've not tested their keeper anywhere near enough. Thompson and Wilkinson have been our standout players in this half so far. But we do need to, as you you know, as alluded to there, we need a much, much, much stronger second half. We had quite a few tweets that came in. We sure did. Spring Lee Nets. So not classic from the O's in the first half with very few chances Need to create more in women's field if the forwards are to get something from this match. Paul Ravens 39 said, if this is the only system Embleton has in his repertoire, then we're screwed. We don't look like scoring at all. Honestly, it's absurdly easy to set up against us and we have no answer to it, as well as the most stubborn manager imaginable. 
work our 300s and we look easy to defend against. Thompson is just getting frustrated at the lack of options and Kemp and Brophy are not working at the moment. Kemp has been poor and Brophy hasn't got beyond him. Need to move the ball quicker. Trousers Techno said, once again, it feels like Groundhog Day in East London. We have the players to do better than this and we need a different plan as currently we're too easy to play against. Possession means nothing when most of it's in your own half and you create very little. Great last sentence there in that tweet. So the second half got underway with no changes for either side. And in the 52nd minute, Tristan Abrahams drew a foul. Referee gave a free kick in a good position to float one in. Dan Kemp put in a lovely ball. Came to Samling, just missed getting a touch. And the chance was gone. Yeah, that first Orient substitution though came in the 57th minute as Joby McEnough came on to replace Craig Clay. And for me, I was a bit surprised that Clay came off rather than Cissé. Yeah, Who, I think to be out, fair, Craig, Craig was injured, wasn't he? Right, as it turned out, yeah. So obviously my comments at the time, but that Cease had been doing actually wasn't amazing, but it's certainly better than what we'd seen in previous games. He was, I think he was okay. He wasn't magnificent, wasn't terrible, Agreed. but Clay was the one who went off. And a minute later, play had to be paused. Sam Ling this time went down for some treatment on his left ankle. And a minute later, Dan Happy came on for Sam. So Akinola went to right back with Thompson on the right side of the centre-back pairing and Dan Happy going over to the left. Yeah, 61 minutes on the clock. Neat build-up play with Connor Wilkinson and J.B. McEnough. Saw the latter drive to the byline, uh, but his cross was put out for a corner, which was poorly delivered. Uh, the follow-up corner was poorly delivered, unfortunately, by Dan Kemp. He didn't beat the first man. Dan Kemp, from what I can see, can take a decent free kick and float it into the box, but he can't take a very good corner from what I've seen, the last three games, he's taken some shocking corners mm. that haven't beaten the first man. And I remember Mr. Levy, when the season started, mm. we were coming up with some beautiful corner moves at the back post, the Turleys and your Colsons. And, you know, fair enough, those players aren't playing, but we've seen nothing good at all in terms of set pieces from what we've seen at the beginning of the season. And I remember we had someone on the pod, I think it might have been Dean Brill, who said, you know, Danny Send has been working from set pieces and free kicks. We were looking dangerous. We were all getting excited. We've seen nothing in terms of any of those moves over the last couple of weeks or months in terms of good corner moves good free kick moves really disappointing from those corners yeah and no, I think that's an absolutely brilliant point you're right to raise it as well you know we started the season off with these brilliant uh, set piece routines and just seems to have gone downhill a little bit and a lot quite a yeah. bit stale yeah it's a good good shout Joby McEnough was fouled in the 67th minute and both Dan Kemp and Connor Wilkinson lined up to take it. But Dan Kemp tried his luck to curl into the top corner, but he ended up getting the side netting. I thought that's the wrong choice. I think with the, the height that we had in the box, I think it would have been better to have put it in the box rather than go for goal. Yeah, I think I agree with you on that one. 65th minute, there was a chance for Colchester. They had a corner met by the head of Welch Hayes. Tunjat Canola did really well to kind of block the header away for another corner which came to nothing so even though we had had the best chances Colchester was still a slight threat yeah they weren't they weren't letting us walk over them that's for sure 68 minutes on the clock great run and shot from Wilkinson forced George to make a save which he spilled to Tristan Abrahams and the ball eventually came out to Nick Freeman whose powerful shot was caught by George yeah that was good mm. Connor done really well Freeman's shot was decent to be fair their keeper done well but I was thinking at this point though 22 minutes left, that's more likely. Let's start yes. driving at them and let's start trying to really get the win. Again, Wilkinson was at it two minutes later, 70th minute. He picked up the ball on the right-hand side. He drove into the box. He, had, he ran on the outside of his um, marker for once, got a really good position, shot, 
George saved the goal. Abraham's got the loose ball, his shot, and that was blocked, and then the chance was gone. I think at that point, you knew it just wasn't going to happen for us. Yeah, you could see that's how it's panning out. Superb reverse pass from Connor Wilkinson in the 75th minute found Joby McEnough, who unfortunately overhit the cross. Yeah, third sub of the game followed in the 76th minute. DJ came on to replace Dan Kemp, so that meant Tristan Abraham went on to the left. And a long awaited return of DJ saw him go into his preferred centre forward slot. Yeah, 78 minutes. Usise conceded a free kick just on the edge of our 18 yard box on our right hand side. The free kick was poor. Wilkinson headed away, but the ball came out to Harriet, who shot wide. Yeah, good chance for us in the 82nd minute as Wilkinson won a free kick in a good position. The ball was flowed in from the right hand side. Adam Thompson done well. Just headed over the bar. You're unlucky there, Adam Thompson. I think his performances so far have deserved the goal, and that would have been the icing on the cake had that gone in. Yeah, I agree with you. 88 minutes on the clock then. Dan Happy fouled to marshal the ball out of play. Frank Newball got a touch that forced Lawrence Vigaru to make a save, and Wiradu uh, put the ball out of play, although the ref gave a corner that thankfully came to nothing. What I will say at this point is, and they didn't show it on the stream, but Dave Victor talked about it. We had a goal kick that should have been a corner. But Ross was going crazy at the fourth official. And I was just thinking at this point, Ross, surely you're better not to be berating the fourth official. You should be trying to get your team to push forward and to push for a winner. It seems like most games Ross is having a go at the fourth official. I just want him to be... Motivating the players, not I don't care about what the officials do. Let Danny Sender do that. I want That's Ross right. driving the team in the 88th minute against an out from Colchester team forward and up the pitch. So I thought that was a bit strange and not something I was too happy with. Four minutes of time were added on, and in the first minute, Harry had a shot that just went over Lawrence Figure's bar. He done well there. He done really well to make some space for himself, and he smashed a shot actually. I mean, I'm ha- I was happy to see that one go over because when he lined up, I thought this could end up in the top corner. It wasn't that far over the bar either. Um, yeah. In the 93rd, yeah, that wasn't a Rose Ed, to be fair. In the 93rd minute, Joby McEnough won a free kick about 30 yards out, and the last chance of the game went to Connor Wilkinson, whose free kick uh, went over the bar and straight after the referee blew his whistle to bring the match to a close as the A12 derby. A lacklustre derby finished goalless at Brisbane Road. So Ross Emerson spoke to Dave Victor after the match. That interview is available on the club's YouTube channel. He gave his thoughts um, on the game. I think he was happy we kept two clean sheets in a row. He spoke about getting DJ uh, back in the team and they looked forward to the two upcoming fixtures that we'll talk about in a bit, which hopefully go ahead. So if you want to watch that, that is on the club's official YouTube channel. So that draw sees us stay in 10th place. We've played 27 games, won 11, drawn 5, lost 11. Our goal difference still of plus 5 and we sit on 38 points. So Mr Levy, what are your views on the game? Yeah, I think I think it's fairly obvious. It's not a great match. Really lacked a cutting edge. I think we should be beating teams like that. Um, pretty comfortably given the personnel that we've got. We really offered very little. I think Joby McEnough's introduction really helped change things, but we shouldn't need to wait for that to happen uh, with the playing personnel that we've got. Uh, you know, f- Lacked final delivery. We're talking about Sam Ling and Joby McEnough grossly overhitting or, or, or putting in poor crosses uh, into the danger zone, having built up 
um, built ourselves up into a position to be putting those crosses in um, and just wasting. It's just a, that final third that we're really, really lacking. I thought a standout man of the match was Connor Wilkinson. They gave their left back a torrid time. Adam Thompson came close second, the way he marshaled the back line as well, considering he's not played for quite some time. I think he's an extremely impressive uh, acquisition on our part, so pleased that he's, he's with us now. I think really the, the main two, the main positive and, and the only real one really is that we've got two clean sheets this week. Um, but we've really got to threaten teams more, particularly when you're looking at 61% possession rate. You know, we had 11 shots to their nine. So they've had nine shots with 39% possession. I mean, it's just... It's just not doing us any favours if you look at things statistically speaking. I mean, I'm not a massive stato, but, you know, a, a simple look on certain websites will give you that information. And I think the big question really is you've got to ask yourself, is the formation that we're playing really working? Is it really getting the best and most out of our players? You know, we haven't scored since Danny Johnson's not played really. So, you know, do do the players understand what their, their role and duties are? I mean, the back four aside... You know the mid and the front three. Really, we don't look we don't look that solid. We often get overrun in midfield. We're not able to get the ball up. Tristan, if he had ten touches in that in that ninety minutes, I'd be very surprised uh, indeed. So we've not scored in four games as well. That goes back to mid January. So it's just all getting a little bit frustrating, all a little bit pent up, and all a little bit. Um, it's just not nice to watch. You know, you want to be entertained on a Saturday afternoon and I don't feel that we are. Bob on. Bob Yours? on. I think for me, yeah. I just thought there was, I just thought there was no threat really. Apart from Connor Wilkinson, there was just no <laughs> threat at all. I mean some of the team looked lethargic and I guess looking back you can go, Well, they played ninety minutes as ten men against Crawley, but that's why you have a, a big squad. So if they were tired, then that's why that's when you use your players. I think, like you said, the formation doesn't seem to be bringing out the best of the players. I think why you put Tristan Abrahams on the left side of the forward attacking line when that's not his position, I thought was odd. And a lot of fans are calling for four four two. I don't think that could hurt in any way, given the injuries that we have and given that the players are currently available to Ross. I mean, you can't doubt that the defence is looking better. I think Adam Thompson's been a great acquisition. It was good to see Happy back. And I think, you know, that back four of Brophy, Happy, Thompson and Akinada would be most people's choices of a back four. But if that's right or not, you know, everyone's got their own opinion. So back four is great. It's fine. The midfield just looks disjointed. And apart from Connor, I thought Tristan didn't look like he was ever going to get a goal in that one. Kemp was pretty anonymous apart from his free kick that he took. And, you know, Joby, Clay, didn't look like they were going to score. And Cissé's not going to get you many goals. I was disappointed in Kemp, I must say. Kemp's debut when he came on against Salford, he was making these beautiful little runs around the back of their defence and Brophy was trying to find him. Since that game, Kemp hasn't made any of those runs. So I don't know if we've, if we've coached that out of Kemp already or we've told him not to make those type of runs. So disappointed in Kemp and Kemp alluded to it. Again, when you're watching it and you're not in the ground and you're watching it by yourself, you have a real different outlook on the game. And like you said, we should all be sitting there as Orient fans enjoying the game and wanting to watch it. But I didn't get any enjoyment out of the game. I just thought it was poor. And I don't understand what the game plan was 
it seemed that we would have the possession, try and move uh, Colchester around, eventually get the ball to Connor and then leave it up to Connor to try and gauge an opening. That seemed what, like the game plan was to me, but that just was uninspiring. Like, I wanted to see a team, especially after that Crawley game, really go at Colchester, take them on, not give them a sniff. Colchester, I think, had one in nine games, I think, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. We should have been pummeling them, and, and we didn't. And like you said, we they got a kidding goal who we've barely tested. We just made it too easy for them. It was too predictable. And it's the kind of same thing every week. Um and I, I feel like the last couple of weeks I've been digging Ross Edmonton out a little bit and that's not my intention you know he's the third outlooker nobody wants to see Ross Edmonton succeed more in this job than me absolutely and I'm not I'm not Ross out at all I don't think it's I'm at that point with Ross he's done a great job in stabilising the club over the last year and you can see the improvements you know we sit 10th in the league Kent's been on the set you know, it's crazy to think that we would get two promotions in four years, and I accept that. But at the same time, I do have to ask questions of what I see on a pitch. So when was the last time a sub was made, a game-changing sub who changed the game? When was the time that tactically something wasn't working within a game and we changed it and we went on to win? So we've got Ross, we've got Sender, we've got Harold, we've got Dean Brill. You know, boys, you've got years of experience between you. Come on, use it, talk to each other, influence the games. I want, I need to see more of that. You've got Joby McAnuff as well on the pitch, who's, who knows how to influence games. And I just didn't see it. I was just really disappointed that with an hour gone, it clearly wasn't working. And we saw DJ come on, which, you know, had we all been there, that might have given the lift the team needed, having 5,000 fans go mental to see Danny come on. But we weren't there, and it just didn't do anything. We didn't see any change of shape or any type of different game plan. And it, like I said, it was just a little bit, a bit meh. And I, I feel like I've ranted, and that wasn't my intention again. But I do need to see more from the coaching staff, not just Ross, from all of them. You know, where were these great corner moves? Where were these free kick moves? Where, where were the runs being made from? What's the game plan? Who's getting on the end of crosses? Who's, who's driving into the box? Who's, who's attacking from? for us to try and find ways through. Teams are going to come and defend against Leighton Orient. We have to break them down. And apart from Connor, I didn't see anything that made me think that any player was going to do that. Great points. Some great points. <laughs> Absolutely great. No, you're, you, you're, it's, it's, this is what the podcast is for. It's, it's about raising questions as we see it. You know, we don't get to see people training four or five days of the week. We don't get to know these people personally. So it's nothing personal against any of the players or certainly nothing against personal against Ross or Danny or Matt or or, uh, or Dean in the coaching staff. Um, we, we, we have to call it as we see it. Um, and we see that we're not looking at good flowing football. We're not, you know, we don't expect to, you know, think we're watching like a Barcelona, Liverpool or a Man City or anything. But we expect effort. We expect passion. We expect determination. We expect hard work. And we expect desire from any player who pulls on an orange shirt. Because quite frankly, they're in a privileged position of being a professional football player. And there shouldn't be anything that this club now, you know, we've been through that bad spell where you could understand why the players may not want to pull that shirt on or give give their all but we don't have that at the club anymore we have a 
it, one of, if not the best run clubs in, in the league, maybe even in, in, in the country. So from our perspective, uh, as a fan, you're absolutely right. We want to be seeing things that are going to you know, get three points. You're not going to get three points every game. But as a bare minimum, hard work, desire, passion, endeavour... Um, and a work rate that's that's always better than the opposition, and and you know, I think Kent, um, Kent and the board also see that as a, as a bare minimum as well. So, yeah. So those are our those are our views. Um, we had an awful lot of views that came in, and again, just because we're reading them out, it doesn't mean that we necessarily agree with them. We just put them in uh, for balance. David Reichard, eighty, gets the first shout this week. He says, "Very frustrating second half. The decision making was poor pretty much all game, especially in the final third. Even when we had time and space." Or right, electrics, a fair result. Didn't do anywhere near enough to win four games without a goal. Wilkinson. And Thompson are decent. I think there was a general theme of Wilkinson and Thompson being decent uh, in a lot of the tweets that we had come in. Ewan Carter, 22, said, That is a concern. We haven't scored in 360 minutes of football and played another team to a play, sorry, and played for another nil nil to a team that has won one in nine. No plan B. He's so negative, sticks to one, doesn't change up, and has no plan B. To to start too stubborn to go four four two. Sorry, I had a bit of trouble reading that one. Joe Jessner, sixteen says ninety minutes. I'll never get back. Why not play on the front foot from the start against a team that's scored one goal in six? Hamilton's mm. four three three is so boring to watch. Richie J Bourne said, "Poor game, lots of mistakes, lack of quality and ideas, such a lack of creativity. Saw a glimmer with Joby on the pitch, but very flat performance." Yeah, I will say when Joby came on, it seemed to. Give a bit of a lift, mm. and we played with a bit more speed and urgency. But it shouldn't take a thirty-nine-year-old Joby McEnough to Correct. do that. What if we didn't have Joby McEnough? What then? Well, next season the guy's going to be forty. We'll probably end up playing less football if if playing football at all. So you know, Joby can't always be that man to come and give the yeah, team a lift. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Dan Alton, two five nine zero said Ross has lost me today. That was boring, turgid, slow, zero urgency, and tactically. Formation-wise, the manager changed literally nothing. And all this against the most out-of-form side in the league at home. Ross has been given the tools and he's failing miserably. Boggs Dollocks one said, I'd be pretty annoyed if I was a board member with this utter tripe served up. Something is wrong. We have a top three squad with very little idea going forward. Chef Kent once a fairly even game when neither side showed enough quality in the final third. New boys need to settle in a little bit more, although Thompson looked solid again and it was nice to see DJ returning. LOFC underscore Dan said, just ain't at it at the moment. Gotta hope Johnson coming back gives them all a kick up the backside. Just typical Orient, almost there. Thompson, man of the match for me as well. Shrimpy underscore boys. It looked like we ran out of legs in the final five or ten minutes. Probably had more misplaced passes in those final minutes than we had in the other AC. And that is saying something. That being said, I don't think we were as bad as most others think we were. And I don't, I don't think it was a bad performance. It just we never looked like really doing anything in the game. If, if you're looking at it from a possession-based stat, sixty-one percent. Yeah, fine. Like nailed on. But it's what you do with that sixty-one yeah. percent, and we didn't do anything with it really. See, conversely, I'd rather have 39% possession and win the game. Oh, absolutely, yeah. So, possession's only good if you're going to do something with it, which I think is what a lot of people, which is what we've always said, but a lot of people get annoyed about. It's all well and good having the ball, but if you don't put it in the back of the net, it counts for absolute zilch. 
Kevlar P18 said, very surprised that only a handful of players gave 100%. With competition for places, now Ross Embleton needs to get the message across. If you're not going to give 100%, you won't be selected. Two points lost. Danny Johnson being back, I hope, gives the club a boost. On to the next. Uh, the Smith, 1881, kept it short. So not enough creativity again. 61% possession. We didn't do anything yeah, with it. There you go. Daniel underscore D44 said a better second half, but very disappointing that we couldn't beat a team with zero ambition and very little quality. Our final ball was very poor and I struggled to see what our game plan was other than to give it to Wilkinson and hope he can dribble in it into the box and score. Yeah, I agree with that tweet. That's, that's, that's what my interpretation of the game plan was. Yeah. Graham G1483952 said, to be fair to Colchester, they worked their socks off to get a point. We just needed one bit of magic, which didn't come. At least another clean sheet is a plus point. Yeah, I mean, yeah. no one's debating the clean sheet is a plus point. But teams who aren't as skilled as I are going to sit back and put 10 men behind the ball. And we, as the, the more technically gifted team, I would say, it's up to us to break them down. No one's going to come and, and try and match us at our own game if they're not as good as us. So it's up to us to get that inspiration, whether that's from the coaching staff or the players on the pitch. Someone needs to raised the bar yeah. and do it and yesterday we didn't see that and just to play devil's advocate a bit although Colchester hadn't won in nine they also hadn't lost all of those nine games either they'd drawn some along the way so it wasn't a complete negative picture uh, for them and they've got a few new signings in their, in their team as well so they weren't they weren't just going to come here and roll over and have their bellies tickled uh, either so I think that's probably something that's worth mentioning Flaherty MGT said we look toothless teams have sussed us once again too many passengers no outlet apart from Wilco we let games drift by not what playoff contenders do which, which is fair we should have come out and really went at them too much respect was shown again. Yeah, record blew up. So better chances for us today, but a game of very few moments. McEnough gave us a bit more impetus, but had a few moments where a misplaced pass stopped an opportunity to attack. Mm. Not a game I'll remember for too long. Yeah, Gorillas1985 said, no goals in four games. I like Ross, but surely he can see we need to play a bit more attacking and change things up. Justin changed our formation and we got promoted from it. Time to change things while we're not too far behind seventh. Yeah, Emma's Orient not happy at all. See the abysmal rubbish again from this master tactician at the helm. Where do you start dissecting this one? Totally wrong all over the 94 minutes today. Plays at his disposal, chooses a formation that doesn't suit the personnel. Embarrassing. Tom Davies, E17, said, We lack mobility, not enough movement off the ball, and creativity and the crosses into the box were woeful today. This is a seriously misfiring squad at the moment. Sunshine, LOFC, said the predictability of the O's is a massive thorn in our side. There really is no plan B, and without contingency, there is no plan A. The football, as is more often than not the case under Ross, is dull, uninteresting, and without cutting edge. Orient Fan TV said, if we want to get out of this league, we need to win these sorts of games, which is a very good point. Two points lost today against a team who hadn't scored in six previous matches. Some of the play today was played at a pedestrian pace and we need to play a lot quicker against these teams to kill them off. Cissé was poor again. Orient underscore Ed. For at least the previous three games, we have had no bites at all in the final third. Today, we get another one of those days. On the plus side, though, the defence looks much more assured with Thompson at the back, but you don't win games if you don't score. We are not scoring. <laughs> 
Joe Jessner, 16, said Edinburgh made the switch from 4-4-2 to 5-3-2 as soon as the system was becoming ineffective and it gave us a new way to win. We've been playing the pedestrian 4-3-3 for God knows how long, making no adjustments depending on the road, on the results. It's maddening. Post fan base, it's a very dull, apart from Wilkinson. Got to change something so we look like we have a forward line, not guys having to play individually. When was the last time we said we made a few chances? Uh, Garden Courtman said Eric Morecambe famously said he could play all the notes on a piano but not necessarily in the right order feels the same with us we have some capable players but they don't all connect something is missing good point Rich P 242 said the players are good enough for the playoffs easily this, this league next season will be even harder with Bolton Bradford picking up Wigan and maybe Swindon possibly coming down will lose a lot of good players I'm sure so might not have as good a chance as we have this season yeah fair point only one team said, yeah Thompson was very good we struggled to break them down and when we did the final ball was poor sometimes you need a bit of luck or a moment of skill which we had neither of left with the feeling of three points we should have bagged Parks the 1881 said if it was an away game I'd say it might be deemed acceptable but it wasn't and that's poor CSA kills any momentum Abraham's to the left instead of Brophy seemed weird. Six to eight minutes until Abraham's gets the ball to feet and we created our best chance of the game. Four out of ten. Chris W underscore one said, boring game but one point is better than naught. Thompson's second game for the club as he's already made a difference at the back. Great to see DJ back. Carlisle is going to be tough. No goals in four games is disappointing. 4-4-2 is needed urgently. Lee Boyce, 13, says it's not all doom and gloom. He says, last time we had back-to-back goal straws. We've been tough. Yeah, Ian Hutchinson, 08, said, really struggling to understand our game plan. We keep the ball really well in our half, then go long, time and time again. Then the ball either runs out of play or gets intercepted. We might as well just go long from every goal kick, every time, and play percentage football. We go again. Kevin Cowan said, so disappointed with that. Surely we have to be braver. Play 4 4 2 with DJ and Tristan up front as a pair. Brophy and Kemp on one flank and Wilco on the other. Defenders at his level, hate crosses flying into the box behind him. We just don't create enough with 4 3 3. It ain't working. And the penultimate word this week goes to Orient Boy, who said two poor teams equals a poor match. Nobody wanted to win it. Ross Embleton's petulant with decisions was silly. Kemp looks lost. Freeman, Thompson and Akinola add quality, but it's not enough. We're a mid-table team. Lack of movement and creativity. Final word this week goes to Chris Kane, underscore 1992. So there was a definite lift when Joby came on and bridged the gap between the midfield and the front line. If we do the basics well, then we'll get a good result in most games. But some of the passing today wasn't up to scratch. Take the point and learn from where we went wrong. So those were all tweets that came into us at Orient Outlook. I mean, I'm quite aware that most of those tweets were quite negative. Um, Ross was slated against about formation and about lineup, and you know, it's not we don't kind of put one side over in our podcast. We very much try and give it as balanced as possible. But the tweets we got in yesterday were most, mostly negative rather than positive. So if you agree or you disagree with any of those, please let us know. You can give us a tweet at Orient Outlook or if 180 characters, I think it is, isn't enough for you to get your view across, give us an email at Orient Outlook at Outlook.com. Absolutely. So 
That leads us to do the Design Cadby Prediction League update and well done to Steve White LOFC, Charlie underscore Paul and Boatsy. All three of you correctly predicted nil-nil. So that means that the top of the Design Cadby Prediction League is as follows. On 23 points, we've got Dan Alton 2590, David Landau 17 and Wadsey. Uh, on 20 points is O's Fan Basing and on 17 points is John Ban 630654. Seven three. Thanks to everybody who took the time uh, to send their prediction in. Still a lot of games left to go, so that will change over the course of time. So that completes our roundup, and we move on to the seventh of February. Yeah, Sunday seventh of February. Nothing to report today apart from the wonderful Kenty coming on the On Out podcast and giving some fabulous answers to some challenging questions. So I don't know how long the podcast has been. Hour fifty. Uh, an hour 50, let's wrap this up. So, fantasy football updating. Paul Baker is top of the Orient Outlook podcast, Fantasy Football League, ahead of Dave Hayton in second place. I'm having a shocker since I peaked at 10th. I'm now in 52nd oh, wow. place out of 295. Wow. Lots of points to be added today. So, we'll see what the table looks like further in the week. Sure thing. So, positives and negatives. I think I did the positives last week. Okay, matey. So this week we've got four positives. So the first one was the result at Crawley. Good point against 10 men and an imbecile referee. The second positive of the week, two clean sheets. Can't be underestimated. You know, we ain't going to lose if we keep clean sheets. It's just at the other end where the problem lies. Third positive, and I'm sure one that most O's fans are so happy about, is the return of Danny Johnson. The DJ is back. And we've whacked in a fourth just to make things seem a bit happier after such such negative tweets come in. Full positive of the week, still within touching distances, unbelievably, of the playoffs. I think we sit four points off of seventh place. So this season is by no means dead and buried yet. So lots to play for. So those were our positives. Mr Levy, let's go for the negatives. Yeah, so quickly run through these. So Hector's red card at Crawley, that's his second red card in three matches. Ruel Satoriu, Sam Ling and Craig Clay injuries, then picking up injuries. I mean, our pitch isn't particularly great at the moment, so that probably doesn't help. Um, And obviously not having scored in four games that dates back to the 16th of January. So obviously slight slight worries there amongst the fan base. I'm sure it keeps Ross up at night and Danny Sender. Um, So hopefully over the coming week we'll we'll be able to see uh, that statistic put to bed. So hero of the week now. So... Two clean sheets. You probably have to be a, a mastermind to work out who we're going to give it to this week. So, uh, or an out podcast hero of the week is it's Mr. Adam Thompson. Well so, done. well played to Adam Thompson. I think he's been amazing, really, since he's been uh, with us. Two clean sheets, leading by example, bringing the ball forward as well, really well. Good communicator. So, really happy with that. So, well done. To Adam in. So let's move on to next week's fixtures. Another busy week of fixtures coming up, assuming the weather doesn't cause problems as we make a long midweek trip up to Cumbria as we take on Carlisle United on Tuesday, 9th of February. This one kicks off at half past six. So Carlisle didn't play on Saturday as their game at Cheltenham was postponed. Carlisle currently six in the league. They've won two, drawn one, lost two of their last five games, but they have played, I think, four games less than us. A lot less games anyway. Um, and it's going to be a tough yes. game. Mr. Levy, we've spoken about formations, we've spoken about lineups. So let me put you in Ross Embleton's shoes. Yeah. Half past five right. on Tuesday. 4 1 3. 
4132 is my formation. Okay. I've been thinking about okay. this today. Well, let's, let's, let's go together then and let's see if we end up with the same team. So I take it there's no surprise at the goalkeeper, which would nope. be Lawrence Bigaroo. Yeah. So you're back four then. Who are you having? And I'll tell you the goal I'll have. So who are you going to put in as your back four? Tunji at right back. Adam yeah. Thompson okay, snap. At, Adam Thompson and Dan Happy as your centre backs. Snap. Joe Widdison at left back. Snap. Yeah, okay, so we both agree on the back for what we But you had do. to think okay, about so that, so what was your doubt? I, I I was thinking of maybe putting Brophy at left back because although I prefer him at left midfield or left wing, he the clean sheets at the moment speak for themselves. Right. So my one but, in so my we formation. We agree who we put on defence then. So you play a one and then a three. So yeah. I presume that one would be Oost, but I might be wrong. No, Hector. Is he available? Yeah, yes. so Hector's available. Okay, yeah. so you'd play Hector in the in the holding role yes. as the one. Okay, and yeah. who would your three be then? My three would be James Brophy on the left. Okay. Nick Freeman uh, in the middle. And okay. Craig Craig uh, Craig Clay's injured, isn't he? Uh, and Joby, Joby then. Nick and Nick. Okay. So Joby in the middle. So it would be James Brophy on the left. Nick. Nick Freeman on the right and Joby through the middle. Okay. Yeah. So you're two up top. Tristan Abrahams and Connor Wilkinson. And you'd have Danny Johnson on the bench. Naturally. Fitness? Yep. Absolutely. Okay, so, leave it, so Mr. Beard Legend will go with a 4 one 3 2. If I was Ross, I'd just switch to a standard 4 4 2. So I would go with the same back four as the Beard Legend. I would have Mr. James Brophy on the left wing in the centre of the park I would have Craig Clay and I would have Joby McEnough and on my right hand side I would have Dan Kemp I think so what did I say I said Brophy Freeman McEnough and Kemp no you said no. Clay Clay so and McEnough Clay's injured this is working out well I'd have James <laughs> Brophy on my left I'd have James Brophy on my left I would have... I saw someone's team earlier. I thought this is the team for me. Brophy on my left. I would have Freeman and McEnough in my middle. And on my right, I would have Connor Wilkinson. But I'd have him playing further up than a kind of lopsided four. And up top, I would have Danny Johnson and Tristan Abrahams as my two. Even though Danny's not quite match fit? Yeah. Okay. If you're going to work him for 15 minutes, you must okay. work him on to give him 60 minutes to it's take him off after. bit Russell Slade-esque. Russell Slade-esque, that one. Yeah, absolutely. So mine's is kind of a lopsided midfield. So let us know what your starting lineup would be against Carlisle. And like we said, obviously, weather could change everything. But we are due to play that game on Tuesday. And that's not the only game this week, Mr Levy. It isn't, no. Because then on Saturday, the 13th of February, Valentine's weekend, we travel up to Yorkshire, North Yorkshire, actually, to take on Harrogate Town. They beat Crawley 3-1 away on Saturday. Not to rub salt in the wound at all. Uh, and they're currently 14th in League Two. They've won their last two games on the trot. They've also drawn two and lost one in their last five games overall. But suspect strongly, looking at the weather reports today, that they're probably not going to uh, be able to get their games on on Tuesday. And I doubt Saturday either. So we might be looking at a spare week. Uh, this week um, so as a sponsorship reminder then to wrap this up finally we are just up shy of the two hour mark don't forget for the best plastering and rendering prices around visit AJF Plastering on Facebook or at Big Ads LOFC on Twitter for all of your plastering and rendering needs 
So that is it. Thank you for joining us for an epic episode of 234 and a week where we played two difficult games, kept clean sheets in both. The football on offer hasn't excited or entertained us. And in Colchester, a side who hadn't won in nine games, a side we should be beating if we have any chance of making the playoffs, it came comes to the end of the season. Sorry, It is a concern to Ross that we've not scored in four games that dates back to the 16th of January. So the reappearance of top goal scorer Danny Johnson is a huge comfort with the games coming thick and fast as we've got two games this week if they go ahead. Two very difficult games to be fair and they will certainly test our squad's ability. Yeah, like we said last week, we hope to be talking to you about two good games where we have picked up six points in the next episode of this very podcast, which will be next Sunday. So if you're listening on iTunes, please subscribe and give our podcast a five-star rating, as we mentioned at the top of the show. Whatever platform you get your podcast on, if you could do that for us, we'd be ever so grateful. Add us to your favourites on that platform as well, and you'll get our uh, episodes as soon as they're available. We're on smart speakers, so listening to the podcast has got even easier. If you've got an older relative, a loved one, or an Orient chum who you think will like this podcast, grab their phone, download it for them, and pass the pod. And I think just finally, before we finally say bye-bye, just to thank Kent again for, for coming on, giving up his time, and being so brutally honest with us. Thought Kent was fantastic. Is I mean, you know, I don't listen to many other League Two podcasts, not any really, and not any other football podcasts. But I can't imagine there's too many vice chairmen and principal investors who are going on to their club's podcast are being so open and so honest. And you know, there's no doubt in my mind that Kent Teague and Nigel Travis will continue to take this club forward and make the best decisions for the late night football club at heart. And what a lovely um, moment it was hearing Kent talk about Simon. Simon Feldman so a massive thank you from us to Kent so we'll be back with episode 235 next week with all the information and views that you could ever need we look forward to hearing from you and as always keep calm stay safe have a great week and listen to the Orient Outlook podcast and up the O's so I wake in the morning.